Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Sports Complex. Afternoons 5 to 7. Woo! Hell yeah! On the horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon, and it's a good Monday for Longhorn fans. We'll talk about the Big 12 Championship game, Championship Weekend, the controversial college football playoff rankings came out today, some uh, some of the bowl games that'll be coming up, notable bowl games that are not January bowl games, you know, that the regular people are going to have to play in, not the Longhorns, not the Longhorns. We'll also talk some transfer portal news. It is already going crazy in transfer portal news. Uh, Texas women took out UConn yesterday in a big ABC televised game for the women's basketball team. Lots of NFL action happening as well as uh, some new MVP odds coming out with some surprising names at the top of the MVP odds. And the NBA in-season tournament starts tonight. I know everybody is super pumped about the NBA in-season tournament. I know, you know, it's been the talk of the whole weekend. Nothing else was, you know... The top of the tongues of everybody else in uh, in sports. Uh, text line is open. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. We just try to keep it on the rails. And with me today, my man, Jacob Standard, joining the show. Uh, he'll be joining the show more. Now we're on our new time of 4 to 6 o'clock. We're going to have Jacob Standard coming in more and uh, bringing you some more discussion. But we want to always have that conversation uh, 4 to 6 uh, with you guys here on the text line, uh, keep talking with you uh, every single day. So we'll keep talking with you. And I already see a chief engineer. I guess I do have to pull. I did not realize that there was still, it says five to seven in the, the rotator. I'll pull them out. I'll Shame pull them out. You. you know what? Shame on you. This is what happens. I do too many things around this station. Jacob, you have a good weekend? I did have a good weekend. I had a great weekend. It was a great weekend for Texas football in general. Longhorns, Texans, and Cowboys. You got to win on all three, and two of them were in very dominant fashion. They were good. You got to see some UFC this weekend? I did get to see some UFC this weekend. Saw some involuntary naps, that Benadryl pill in the form of a right hand. Got to see it all. 
Yeah, that was uh, I. I honestly did not. That was that was how focused I was on everything else in sports. Is that I completely did not even realize that UFC was in town. But if anybody went out to that, I hope you had a good time uh, enjoying the fights uh, for UFC. But yes, Texas gets the big win, uh, forty nine to twenty one over Oklahoma State. Uh, it was a it it was everything you kind of needed to be. The defense showed at points that the secondary still has a few holes. It's going to have to look at those. But for the most part, Texas put together a pretty dominant performance. Sark, this was probably his best, if not, and maybe it's tied for best with something else. But his play calling in this game was amazing. He really dialed up the offensive play calls in this game. He knew, even in the red zone, how to get the ball moving downfield. We saw the the play to Trevandre Sweat. We saw the little trick play with the double. Uh, that was awesome. The double lateral or the double yeah double lateral that goes for the kick and uh, uh, Tavion Sanders wide open yeah. walking into the end zone. Plays like that where you just confused an Oklahoma State defense and were able to keep them off their feet. And so even when you started to have some problems running the football at points in that game because they really just focused on stopping the run, Quinn Ewers was able to eat them alive. And it, it, it seemed it seemed as if Oklahoma State went into the game with the mindset of we're going to throw the ball instead of run it because we know they have a good line and they're not going to expect us to throw the ball instead of run it. So we're just going to throw and throw and throw. How'd that work out? And, and I mean, it, they got 21 points. They did. If they just ran the ball, I don't know if they get 21. So it did work to an extent that they were able to get a little bit, but it also meant that the game was going extremely slow. And there was a lot of time on the clock where a lot of us talked about before the game that it was going to be a game, you know, that Texas may not even have the ball that much because Oklahoma State was just going to continue to run it and try and run the clock. Right, and be stubborn. That did not take the case. I mean, the, if you look at the first half stats of that game, just the first half stats, the Texas was dominating and put up, and Quinn Ewers put up, you know, close to record numbers in the first half. Yeah. So this Texas team came out and did what they needed to do uh, and, and just played a great game. Gets gets the, gets the talk to be a Texas team that felt like there was a chance they were not going to make the college football playoff going into the championship week. A lot of people not really sold on it. Texas took care of their business, and because they took care of their business, you know, this became a discussion where – you know, even they were saying on the College Well Playoff Show, which I know everybody was watching, that when you're watching it, it was making me nervous that they kept they kept going like, and Texas is going to get in. We all know they're And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, this hadn't been the narrative the whole time. <laughs> what are we doing? The whole time up to this, there was no shot we were getting in, and we couldn't jump that far up from seven all the way in or six all the way in. Well, no one had ever jumped from six in. And so we didn't think that was possible. They're all went up to all the way to three and get in. Uh, but, yeah, this is a game. We'll talk a little bit about Oklahoma State before we get to the rest of it. Uh, the game itself, though, you played, you know, Tavondre Sweat had another big game. You really did were able to slow down that Oklahoma State run. And Ollie Gordon, who we know is a good running back, uh, he got a couple a couple runs split out on you, but it wasn't necessarily anything you couldn't handle by the end of the game. And we saw Texas be able to handle their business. Quinn Ewers, though, when we've seen what he can do in big games. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you wonder if, you know, next season, if, you know, the reports are true that he is going to come back. We don't know. We, you know, depending on what happens the next, you know, month, we will see more if, if Quinn Ewers says, okay, Texas can go on and, and win a game and play for a national championship. Who knows? If he has another big game like he had where he put up those numbers and it wasn't even necessarily throwing the ball downfield and checking it, it was making the right decisions. And if everything's covered, 
check it down, get out, get the ball out, go out. He did make a big run in the game, and you know he made a couple plays to just get there and get the keep the ball rolling and keep the clock going. All of those things he did were just really smart plays. Where if you're a team that understands, hey, we need a quarterback, and you know we'd love to have someone that can make the big the highlights. But at the end of the day, if I can get a completion percentage, if I can get that, we can draw up schemes and, and try and really set this off. Quinn Ewers finishes with 452 yards, which was a Big 12 uh, championship game record. Absolutely. Four touchdowns. He does have the interception that was just he never saw the guy. Right. And it was he was watching a player go and just didn't see him. And, and that's something that he's going to have to work on uh, again if he comes back or if he goes to the NFL. You know, kind of that next step in his game is going to be looking off guys and really judging the whole field and knowing where guys are a little bit better. But that's something that happens to college quarterbacks a lot. And, and it looked like it looked kind of like he was spying and kind of tucked behind a defensive lineman. So I can see why he didn't really notice him there before he fired that ball. Yeah. But he also he did not have the highest completion, per, uh, the highest uh, QBR of the team. Oh, really? Malik Murphy went one for one for 12 yards, so 100% QBR for for Malik Murphy. Uh, Quinn Ewers, 97.1. Still pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Still pretty good. We saw Keelan Robinson get to come in the game and and make some big plays where he's not – you know, we said that he maybe get used a little bit more in this because he's got experience because at that point he came in, made some big plays. Uh, C.J. Baxter didn't necessarily have the best game. Jaden Blue, they both got stopped at points, but they did enough – to keep the ball rolling. C.J. Baxter had some big carries uh, that got first downs. So even though he got stopped at points, he had a touchdown run that was really good and powerful. And it was a, you know, I was texting my dad. It was a big boy run. It was one of those touchdowns. It was was a touchdown where he went, Earl Campbell would have been proud. Ricky Williams would have been proud of that touchdown because he was wrapped up and carried and just kind of kept his feet moving and kept his body moving and never really stopped the momentum enough and was able to break free and get in the end zone. We saw that. We saw Adonai Mitchell. Uh, have a huge game. Jay, uh, had 100 yards receiving. Jatavion Sanders had 100 yards receiving. Xavier Worthy probably would have been if it wasn't for the ankle injury because one more catch is probably 100 yards for him sure. at 86. So you could have had three receivers with 100 yards. Uh, he has an ankle injury. They said the, the, the x-rays are negative. It was not a good weekend to be a uh, Texas or Texan small wide receiver. Both of them went down. Tank Dell, we'll get into that later. But Tank Dell was out, uh, is now out for the season after breaking his fibula. Uh, but he is out. But it, it doesn't seem like it's as bad for Xavier Worthy. Uh, we're hoping that the boot and crutches were kind of more of a precautionary, let's not let him get hurt anymore, celebrating. Right. You know, because we yeah. know there's about to be mayhem. Let's not have him jumping up and down on a bad ankle and then twist it more, which it, if anybody's ever played, like I play basketball and you would do that and you'd stay in a game because you have adrenaline pumping. And you'd roll your ankle and be like, okay, I'm going to power through it. And then five plays later, you're just on the ground like, well, that's that. Now I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so took a one week injury, made it about a month. Exactly. Yeah. So hopefully it's a, you know, one or two week injury and he's back practicing in a couple of weeks because Sark had said yesterday uh, on the college football playoff show that he's going to be able to, uh, that he, that basically they're going to take a couple of weeks, get through finals get through everything, celebrate the win of the Big 12 championship, be able to take that. I think it's good. I think you want to have that. After that game against Oklahoma State and how hard the season was and how those guys showed up at the end of the season when you know they, they, the mission all season was a Big 12 championship. But then you saw the college football playoffs was, and was there. And it's just something you can go after. And it kind of, you know, if you look at that too early in the season, it can cost you a game. It can throw you off against other opponents. 
they were able to focus enough to handle their business in a way to get themselves in the conversation and more than the conversation they got themselves in. Uh, if you look, that was the best the offense has looked all season. I know Oklahoma State, you know, we talked about that game last year and Quinn Ewers and how he recovers from that game last year where that offense looked inept and they couldn't do anything. And Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy looked garbage in that game to what you saw. And again, it's, it's you know, neutral field. It was Climate indoors. Controlled. There's a lot to it. But yeah, it's still a Mike Gundy defense and that Oklahoma State defense that you're expecting is going to give Quinn Ewers some problems. And, and they found the way. And they said, look, if you're going to put three high and you're going to try and take away the deep shot, we'll just get yards after catch over and over and over and over. And then we're going to draw you in because we're going to keep doing that. And then we'll put one and we'll, we'll play action it and throw it right over the top of you. Yeah, I was looking at some of their percentage breakdowns on what kind of passes they were throwing. Almost 30% of their passes were screen passes right there at the line of scrimmage. And just like you're talking about, they would just hit it right, then left, then right, then left. And then as soon as they would walk up, they'd throw the deep shot. Uh, it was a beautiful game plan by Sark. And I heard Rod and them talking about it this morning. These last few weeks where Texas offenses look dominant, Sark has been doing a good job of giving Quinn that first read and yeah. being able to hit that first read quick yeah. and decisive. No, and that's it. I think, you know, that we've really seen now that Sark and Quinn are on the same wavelength, at least. Yeah. And Sark understands, you know, we talk about this with a lot of different quarterbacks, or at least I talk about this with a lot of different quarterbacks, about if you can call the right game, a great coach can call the right game for the players you have. And Sark at the beginning wasn't necessarily doing that. He was trying to get Quinn to evolve faster than Quinn could evolve. It ends up with now that Quinn is able to get into that role where it's, okay, we don't need to have you have three reads or four and sit back there and do everything. Here's your one, here's your two, and then just write down, here's your out, and maybe your two is even the out yeah. to look there. And if he's wide open and he's got eight yards, take the eight yards. Yeah. Just you don't keep have to the ball force moving. it down the field. Just keep it moving. If you have to run up the middle and get six, cool. Just keep the ball moving. And, and you know, we saw that they were. They also got every third down pickup, I believe, and they did not allow. I, I got to look at this. Really, they there's didn't a, miss a single one. There is a third down efficiency. Texas was uh, ten for sixteen on third down efficiency. Two for two on fourth down. Uh, I know Oklahoma State was three for ten Ooh. on third down. It was a great uh, difference of the game. When you did that, and, and the fact that you put them in third and middles and third and longs that you didn't expect because they started to try and throw the ball more. Ollie Gordon in that game, 34 yards, 2.6 yards per carry. Nation's leading rusher. Yes. And it's also why, and I mean, look, we're just feeling good as Texas fans right now and as, oh, as Texas teams. I, this is why I told you why I, when they kept saying Taj Brooks and Ollie Gordon were better than Jonathan Brooks, and I get Get, no one stopped Jonathan Brooks like this. No, nobody did. And Texas stopped both of them. Now I get Jonathan Brooks can't play against Texas. He didn't practice, which makes him a better player, which is probably one of the reasons Jonathan Brooks is better at it because he practiced against Texas. Sure. So he had a lot of practice going up against Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. But if you look at it and you say, well, you slowed down Taj Brooks. He, he still had a good game, but he had under 100 yards, and they didn't. And that was because they, they didn't even throw the ball. They just yeah. kept going with Taj Brooks. Ollie Gordon, they, I think the game plan was, well, let's throw the ball early when they're not expecting it, catch them off guard, we'll get some points, and then we'll come into the second half. And in the second half, then we'll run Ollie Gordon more because then they're going to be back on their heels because Alan, Alan Bowe was killing them. And that was, I like, kind of think in his head how he thought it would go, and when it wasn't going that way, 
he then had to throw it back on to, okay, well, now we just need to – and you just couldn't stop Texas. That was really the problem yeah. is that they kept scoring, and you had to at some point get some stops so then you could start running Ollie Gordon. They couldn't do it. Uh, they were up by so much at half. They did go ahead. I mean, they didn't lose a quarter in this game. They tied in the fourth, but they didn't lose a quarter. Yeah, that's total domination. And that's I, I, what you wanted to see. I, that was one thing I talked about in the pregame show uh, with Aaron and Jerry Hamilton was, you know, for the selection committee and for, for just Texas fans, that you need to win the fourth quarter. Because we know Oklahoma State, that's what they do. They score in the fourth quarter. They put up a bunch of points and come back in games. Now, you were far enough ahead. But it's still, you know, you're playing you know, backups and everything else. Put you know, get the fourteen, beat them you, at least tie them, and that was you're up. You still tied them. You went seven and seven in the fourth quarter. You didn't allow them to come down and take advantage. You didn't lay off too much. It was a great game by this Texas team. I uh, love the move at the end of the game, having Jonathan Brooks come out. I really love that move by Sark. I think it was a yeah, classy move. Uh, and it's nice that you can win enough that you can do something like that. That at halftime you can be like, yeah, suit up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> we want you to get out there. So I thought that was a really classy move. He had Malik and Arch come in because we know both those guys, unless they transfer, can never play in a Big Twelve championship game again. Oh, I didn't think about that. And so, and we know that Malik and Arch can both go play on Sundays and play at Jerry World, but they're never going to play a college game at Jerry World again because you know you're probably not going to play a non-conference there, and then you're not playing the Big Twelve championship. Right. So you say this is a moment. Let you be a part of this moment. Uh, you're a part of this team that got us there. Uh, so I, I thought a lot of that was really good. So we get through that. eleven eight. So about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Texas fans feeling pretty good. And then we went into full, let's see how the rest of this plays out because that win doesn't put you in. No. And it puts you a lot closer to in because then the conversation is, well, are, is a Florida State team it, without Jordan Travis better than this Texas team? And we all know the answer is no. And I know some people in the text line maybe not be happy about this, but – we know the answer is no. We know Texas is going to win that game. But we we don't know. So we don't know. So then I'm watching the Georgia-Alabama game. We're watching with some friends of mine who are fans of Alabama. And they're kind of looking at me, and I'm rooting for Alabama. And they're like, why do you – like, do you really want Alabama to win? Is it better for Georgia? And you go, look, we just kind of need chaos. Yeah. Wherever it can come, something has to happen to shake it up. Because if there's four undefeated teams, then it's real easy to leave us out. But if there is now two – one, two undefeated and two one. Now it becomes a little bit more of a story, and there's more teams we're fighting with. But four undefeateds, I don't know if we get in because I think it's an easy enough four undefeated, four conference champions. Sorry, you're a conference champion, but you're one loss. They're in, right? And you can just do that. So that was a chance that that could have happened on Sunday where we got that. Yeah, Texas needed to create uncertainty. So they did a good job of making themselves pretty certain. They yeah. just needed the other options to look uncertain. So, and that, yeah. And we get Alabama wins 27 24 over Georgia in a game where they looked like the better team for most of it. And I know, you know, Brock Bowers is kind of beat up and McConkie was kind of beat up. Uh, it, so they were trying to push a run at it, but it, they just didn't seem to have it enough. And on defense, Jalen Milrow has improved immensely from when we played him in week two. And, and part of this, again, it goes to what we said with Sark and Quinn. Tommy Reese has finally understood how to coach Jalen Milrow. Yeah. Because Tommy Reese wanted one of his guys in there. He wanted a throw first quarterback. And Jalen Milrow can run the football. But you have a Georgia and you go, well, these guys are strong in the line. And the more you spread them out and the more you take away their pass rush because you can run on them, and the more you put – there was two spies on him at points in the game. That's insane. Like they had to put two spies on him because he kept picking up first downs. And, and so it, if you look at what he could be able to do and 
you know, we know with the magic he created with the fourth and 31 against against Auburn. And I get that part of that is the worst defensive play call possibly in the college football history. How does that, how does that happen? <laughs> I don't understand. But, you know, it happens. They get the win, right? Uh, we know what Jalen Milrow, he's a much different player than he was. They get the win there. Michigan, of course, handles their business. Iowa does not have an offense. We're aware of this. I remember I was sitting there, and I wasn't really paying attention to that game, but I remember getting an ESPN notification on my phone at one point that said Iowa had finally crossed the 50-yard line. And typically, if ESPN thinks it's noteworthy to say when you cross the 50, it's not going your way. No, no. that's it, Except for, and I, can't, or I think it was SEC championship game, but it, it may have just been LSU-Alabama. I think it was LSU-Alabama. Oh, the field goal game? The field goal game, and it was when somebody got across half field, you were like, wow. <laughs> Wow. Everybody pay attention. Everybody We're about watch. to get a touchdown. This offense is electric. <laughs> <laughs> we get that, and then we turn to the game of the night, which is Louisville and Florida State. And everyone's watching, and you know I'm out in Toggerville, and you're just watching, and it's, it's a really unwatchable game. Yeah. This is a bad game, and I get they're on their third-string quarterback, and they didn't know, and they did the, the Oklahoma last year thing. Do you remember last year, everybody, when when Tate Rodemaker or when uh, Dylan Gabriel was in concussion protocol, and they're playing Texas, but they don't want Texas to know if Dylan Gabriel is playing or not. Oh yeah, they even had him warm up, and they had him warm up. Yeah, he went out there and he's in gear and he's warming up with gear on before the game, and everyone's like, "Well, Dylan Gabriel's playing," and then all of a sudden you realize he's warming up with the twos, and everybody goes, "Oh." And so when Tate Rodemaker was out there warming up with the twos, yeah, everybody realized we've seen this trick. They're doing the old Oklahoma from a year ago. They did that. I'm sure other people have done it. I just remember it from Oklahoma last year that Dylan Gabriel did it. And I was like, Tate Rodemaker's not playing. So Brock Glenn gets into the game. He throws for 55 yards, doesn't have a great game. It's understatement. Uh, Florida State doesn't. But the defense is good. Defense is good. But this is the problem of Louisville. What they've had is their offense has struggled at the end of the season. Uh, so they've played pretty good defense, but their offense struggles. And you put two defensive teams now because there isn't a quarterback for one of the teams, uh, they get to win sixteen to six. It's not something you want in the college football playoffs, and so we get what we got on Sunday, which was which was number one is Michigan, yeah. well deserved. Number two is Washington, no deserved. arguments, no arguments. Number three, the University of Texas Longhorns, no arguments, no arguments, and number four, and I'm sure there's some arguments because number three might be there's some argument to it is. Does Texas belong in? I'm, I'm just saying from people that are not Texas people that I've heard this, that they're saying the SEC gets number four because you're not going to leave the SEC out. And Alabama gets number four. Florida State, number five. And Georgia drops from one to six. That's, that's insane. Which is crazy, but it has to. Like, you can't put them at five either because then that's even more disrespectful to, right. to Florida State. <laughs> and, you know, they're not, they shouldn't be in it. They lost the game to Alabama. But... You know, I, I think they got the decision right. Personally, I think they got the decision right. I think it makes for a better college football playoff. I think these are the four best teams right now. I get if Jordan Travis is healthy, then they get in. And the reality is, if Jordan Travis is healthy, there's a decent shot Texas doesn't make the playoffs. I would say more I, than decent. Because I don't think the SEC gets left out. Right. I don't think the best, fo- the, the best conference in college football, which I get they're a little bit down this year, they're still the best. A lot of people are down. The Pac-12 is not as good as everybody said it was. Once USC was out, and once we realized Oregon State and Washington State weren't anything that really good, Arizona was a better team than they thought at the beginning of the year, but that, they're just not that great of a conference. 
They're not bad, but and we know the Big Ten has two good teams. But even their third, you know, Penn State and Iowa aren't great. They don't have an offense. They're just defensive teams. And we can look at the Big 12, and Oklahoma's not need to be up there. They were not up there. So a bunch of mid-range teams, a bunch of 15 to 25 teams in there, but not great. The ACC, Florida State was good. And then North Carolina tailed off. They looked good at the beginning of the year. They tailed off. Yeah. Clemson had a very down year. Normally, you got Clemson in there that's doing really well. They had a down year. And Louisville looked really bad the last two weeks. And I think if Louisville won handily the week before and then lost to Florida State, maybe different then too. Because then you can go, well, you beat a really good Louisville team, a, you know, a number, a top 10 Louisville team. But I think everybody looked at it and went, well, Louisville was bad last week too. Right. And so I don't know if they – and so when we look at that and we say, well, they're not – but the SEC, even if we go, well, Tennessee's still a good team and Ole Miss is still a good team. And Kentucky was good this year. Missouri's good this year. Yeah, but it, I mean, Missouri's I, number nine in the country. Yeah, I know. That I'm just telling you, I'm, like I'm saying there's good teams in that conference, is what I'm saying. So if you look at that and then put in Georgia and Alabama on top of that, there's at least six good teams in that conference. And so I think they're still the best conference in football. And so to leave them out completely because they played themselves in a championship game, if they didn't play a championship game, they would have been in and Georgia would have been in, I think is silly. So I get why they didn't want to have them in. So if you put it that way, then Texas gets knocked out because Alabama gets in or Georgia stays in and Florida State's in. If Jordan Travis is healthy or if Louisville has a big game. There's a lot of scenarios where it's very close. At the end of the day, Florida State in the ACC, as much as I, I feel really bad for the players, I feel really, really bad for the players. I feel bad for the fans who had nothing to do with this. There is something that gives you a little bit more precedent of why I don't feel bad for the ACC that this happened, which is there was a thing formed called the Alliance. But the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC that said, we don't want the Big 12 and SEC because Sankey and Bob Bowlesby were friends. We don't want them dictating how college football gets along. So if the three of us get together... Then we'll win it. And basically, the Big Ten was using the Pac-12 like they did and then took all their teams. And then they were using the ACC to get what they wanted. They didn't want an expanded playoffs because they didn't want to play more games. They wanted to get two teams into their expanded playoff, and they want to dominate and be the top conference. And they thought Michigan and Ohio State or Penn State, we can get two in a year and screw everybody else. We don't care about the ACC or the Pac-12, but we'll get our two in. And the ACC and Pac-12 went with it. And if they hadn't kiboshed, the 12-team playoff, as much as they did, there'd be a 12-team playoff this season. Right. And you know who would have been in? The ACC. Would have been in. Poetic justice. And that's the reason why you, if you want to get mad, and I get this is revisionist history now, we're going back, and you want to get mad at Boo and everybody else on the College Football Playoff Committee, and I get why you can be upset. We're going to keep talking about it all show. I'm sure we're going to talk about it on the tech sign. But if you want to get mad, get mad at your own commissioner for being an idiot inciting with the conference that is trying to take over and become a power conference, they're not your friends. No. And the SEC isn't the Big 12's friends. I'm not trying to justify that Greg Sankey was Big 12's friends pairing up with Bob Bowlesby. We know he came in and took Texas and Oklahoma. Right. Like they, he did not. He also screwed them. But the Big 10 screwed Pac-12 especially. They kill, he killed the Pac-12. Took all their teams. And then he goes over to you, and, and he screwed you now. So if we're going to look at it that way, I, I think it's terrible that for the players that you can go 13-0 and you can try and do everything, and Jordan Travis injury, you can't prevent things, bad things happen, 
I, I think if Quinn Ewers is hurt, then they don't make it in either. And that's with Malik Murphy and Arch Manning, who are better quarterbacks than Tate Rodemaker is. Yeah. And I think the team is better. With, like, they're a more versatile team. But I, I will say it's, it's, sad. it's sad. There should be a 12-team playoff. I'm glad there is next year. Let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll today because I want to talk about it with you guys. Wait, I got to turn up my hotkeys for this. Oh, okay. And then we get the sounder. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. It's a Monday. We started an hour earlier. I'm not ready yet, guys. I thought Again, we were just building suspense. My schedule we're building suspense. Yeah, we're just I'm waiting waiting for schedule. It's thrown off by all of this. Uh, we are going to let's talk about what is did the committee get it right? Did the committee get it right? 100%. And that's what I'm asking on the text line. Did they get it right? Or did they get it wrong? And you can say they got it wrong. Text should be two in Washington three. Text better. You can give me that. I look like, if you have that opinion. Look, I get. I I can see the opinion. I don't agree with it. I can see it. I don't know about that one. I, I I'm just saying. I can see it. I don't agree with it. I can see it. Could you say that Georgia should have been in? I can, can you see say it. that? Can you say that that Florida State should have been in? Tell me what you think. I don't think anybody's going to say Texas shouldn't have been in. <laughs> Maybe we have some listeners that are just really mad at me right now. I don't know. But I think there's going to be some people that think Florida State should have got in. So I want to know, did the committee get it right? Tell us on the text line, 512-447-3776. We're going to take a break. When we come back, start looking at those texts. We're also going to talk about some of the other bowl games that are happening, including the ones with Georgia and Florida State. We'll get into some games you might want to know about. And the transfer portal is open today, and the names are flooding in. Some big names are in there. Some Texans might be looking at, too. We'll get into that. We come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app at hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the sports complex here on the horn. Uh, musical theme of the week. Any guesses, Jacob? Uh, let's I, let's see if we can create the age gap even bigger between you and I. <laughs> or I we're mean, having this discussion before the show that Jacob does not know any pop culture references before roughly 2020. Apparently, <laughs> zero pop culture references. I keep throwing them out there, and he blank stares every time. And these are like major. This is not some 
minute, like small area. Well, the best part too is you look at me with such hope and promise, and I just let you down as soon no. as I look over. No, yeah. this is sticks. Oh, I know sticks. This is sticks. Okay, uh, but this song is called "Got Too Much Time on My Hands." That's what I was gonna say. It's too much time on my hands. We have a new time slot, so oh. these are gonna be time songs. There you go. Oh, we. That, that was actually going to be my guess. Yeah, it's going yeah. to be your guess. You didn't let me build up to it. <laughs> we are doing time songs uh, all week here on the show because we're in New York time slot, 4 to 6 p.m. We did see a texter. Rich Eisen is still on. Rich Eisen will be on from uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And then hour three will be 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. So we are still airing all three hours of Rich Eisen every single day. Uh, but it'll be 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. With uh, what we've heard from people around the the. the People that we've done the text line and people on tweets and everywhere else have uh, been saying that they would like the show to start a little, uh, an hour earlier. They'd like a show to start at four because they want to be talking with us and doing local sports coverage uh, a little bit earlier because commutes are earlier than they used to be for a lot of people. So that yeah. was what we got the feedback. So we were trying to do what the people want here. But Rich Eisen is still on. We are not taking Rich Eisen off the air. He is now on. Uh, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., we are in the Rich Eisen sandwich. There you go. Which is like two two slices of bread. I said sheets of bread. Sheets of bread. Man, if you want to know how Monday my brain works, uh, sheets of bread. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> and then one sheet of bread on top. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> slices. Slices, I believe, is the word. Uh, text lines open 512-447-3776. Uh, easy poll of the day. Did the committee get it right? Did the college football okay of committee get it right? Or, and I, I, well, here's what I'll put out there too, because I see some people and there's some, some different questions. Uh, I, if you say that they got it wrong, I'd like, the, I'd like your main argument, your main argument and the fact that they're 13-0 college, that it doesn't. Like I, I'd say it's a bigger argument that they beat LSU at LSU. That to me is a better argument that they're thirteen zero champion. Yeah, I, I, it just doesn't because you don't have Jordan Travis. Give me a reason why they should be in when we know they will lose the game. When we all know they will lose the game. Yeah, why are we doing it? <laughs> why are we putting them in for a worse game? Or we could get like TCU got in last year and got they they beat up on Michigan and, and then, then they got, got destroyed. Oh, and you just don't want that. I get it, but we know Tate Rodemaker is not the guy. We know that that you know you're talking about a Heisman candidate being out. It's just a it's just a big deal, and I get it. I get that it sucks. I get that it sucks. It sucked the second he went down, and you did what you did after get through those last couple of games. But I just don't. I don't. It, I I can't. I I couldn't have put him in because it, I get you could have, and then the SEC would have had their argument that it's crazy that you leave out the best conference and that it isn't a real national champion. Which, by the way, Sankey was doing on game day. He oh, was yeah, very yeah. confidently saying, "I don't care who wins this SEC championship. I don't say how. You, I don't see how you say both of these teams are not in the top four. Yeah, and I, I did laugh at Kirby Smart when he was like, "We were a top four. You can't tell us we're not a top four. And he just wanted to go. You think you're better than Texas, don't you, buddy? You definitely do. You're not better than us. You're not better than us. <laughs> you got beat by Alabama. You got beat by Alabama. We beat Alabama. Hence, we are clearly better than you by like fifty points, probably. Yeah, we beat them by ten. They beat you by three. So that's a thirteen-point lead we've got on you. Carry the zero, and then yeah. <laughs> I, I know that doesn't work that way, guys. I know. I'm just playing around. Uh, we do want to get in some other bowl games before we get to the text line, uh, but uh, there are some other interesting bowl games that you can go check out. Uh, we'll mention a few of them 
And we'll see. We'll judge everybody's interest on the text line. You can say if you're interested in Renan. Jacob will judge your interest, too, as a, as a fan of, of college football. If these are games that you really care about, the Aggies versus the Cowboys, Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State. So your Big 12 runner-ups versus the guys who left the Big 12, fired their coach, going to have some few people in the transfer portal playing in the Texas Bowl. Yeah, I am interested in this one. This, it seems like it's a good matchup. Mike Gundy gets to go against the Aggies. He's, he was coaching Oklahoma State when the Aggies were still in the Big 12. You know, there is some history there. It'll be fun. We'll see what the Aggies with Elko and what he's able to do in his first game. It's going to be big for the Aggies to try and kind of right the ship a little bit. This is their only kind of selling point for new recruits, right? This is the only product they've seen post-Jimbo. Yeah, and, and just be like, hey, and, you know, the practices, I'm sure he's going to try and start getting them in so the guys that are questioning the transfer portal about the new culture and whatever else, yeah. that's going to be brought into it by Elko. So an interesting one there uh, just to see how many players show up for A&M in this game and how many transfer out. And, you you know, you don't figure it's going to be – I don't think the number is going to be this huge exodus because I think – you know, Elko is going to be a more friendly coach. Well, it's someone they know too. Like he, he probably helped recruit some of the team. Yeah, yeah. So right? I think, I think that there's something it's said about he, he could be able to come into this game or come into A and M and change the culture and or change the attitude and the vibe a little bit better to make it a little bit nicer. So I, I think I don't think there. I think there's guys that are going to leave. We saw one of the Aggie recruits, uh, one of the guys at A and M, has said he hasn't made a dollar yet in NIL. Yeah, it's a rough look. So that's not a great look, but we will see if that, you know, you know, if they continue. I mean, the fact that they could throw $160 million to fire Jimbo and hire another coach should tell you in every recruit that they have money. No, they got money. I mean, we have we have just as much. Don't want to, guys, if you're listening, we have just as much in Texas, but it's it's not a contest. uh, Another interesting game, Arizona versus Oklahoma team coming to the uh, Big 12. A team leaving leaving the Big Twelve, right? Uh, in Oklahoma, the Alamo Bowl is going to be that matchup. Dylan Gabriel earning the transfer portal. We'll get to that in a second. Mm. So we don't know who's going to be their quarterback. We could see some general booty. Oh no! Get him. Get. Could we get the? We know it's it's a Valero Alamo Bowl, right? You think they'll run the commercial on the big board? We should need the the Haynes the Haynes yeah, at the Alamo Haynes Bowl. Ad, yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, another one that I'm going to find interesting. Because because of transfer portal news, okay, Missouri versus Ohio State, that does become very interesting. Missouri is was a good team this year. They were, and that's a team that you're probably not going to see a ton of transfers out of. You know, you're going to see a few guys go pro, so there may be some guys that aren't playing. But a lot of that team is going to be, you know, ready to go prove something in this game. And I think you know when you say, hey, you you can go out in your last game, you can beat up in a in a in a again the Cotton Bowl versus Ohio State, you can go knock them down another peg. Right. And you figure Marvin Harrison Jr. ain't playing in that game. No, probably not. He's going pro. We know that their quarterback's out. Oh, why is that? And transfer portal. Transfer oh. portal. Transfer portal. Oh. And then, of course, the ball game that uh, everyone is looking at. Which is? Georgia versus Florida State in the Orange Bowl. So Darn this is the one, too. Uh, if you guys, if you don't think it's right, this is the game to see – uh, you know, and look, there is exceptions. There will be guys for Florida State who are not going to it because they are going to be getting ready for the draft or they will be transferring. Right. There will be some guys for that. Georgia will have a bunch of guys that will not be playing because they will be getting ready for the draft or they will be transferring. So this is not a full on, this is what the playoff matchup would have been, but it will be a matchup. And we see the one of the main reasons why Florida State is not in the college football playoff because the number six team in the country 
is a 14.5-point favorite over the number five team in the country. Bingo. And that's really, at the end of the day, why Florida State wasn't in. And I think that's what it is, is if you say, does anybody think Florida State would win a game against any of these teams in the Big 12 or Alabama? Yeah, I think that should be the main argument. You take the undefeated Florida State team without their QB, do they beat Texas or Alabama on a neutral field? No, then you have no argument. Grow yeah. up. And look, I, I made the joke about, you know, you could put Liberty in because they're undefeated and a conference champion. They're not a right. power five. They did not play LSU at home. Sure. I feel bad about that. You know, I get that they, you know, you can say, but like even in the ACC wins, Duke, Duke was good early on, but not a great team down the stretch. You beat a Clemson team that was struggling this year. So there's, there's teams that are okay in there, but, but they weren't, none of them had complete teams. If you think watchability and ratings didn't factor into this at all, hundred percent, grow up. But this, this is also why they did the realignment is for better TV ratings. No, and this is something too of where I said why when people said there's no shot to Texas getting in, I you know a point I made is like look when TV ratings and TV is going to call on this last one and go hey by the way, just to let you know we're paying your salaries we own the college football we own all of this oh and we want. We want these teams in because they're just better TV ratings. But Florida State deserves it. I know, but it's like, and no, and the reality was Texas, you go, I know as much people don't like Texas, people will tune in to watch Texas lose. They'll hate watch it. Nobody likes Floyd Mayweather, but his his fights sell a lot of views. Right. So if you want to get that, that's, I thought he could get in. But Georgia is a 14.5 point favorite of Florida State. That is going to be a grudge match game for Florida State. It's a grudge match game for Georgia. Both those coaches want to win by 30. Florida State doesn't have an offense who can score 30, so it may be a problem. Yeah. But Georgia, it, it depends. We know that McConkey, who is their main wide receiver, is probably not going to be there. We know that Brock Bowers, who is the tight end, who's the best tight end in college football, will probably not be there. They're both kind of banged up. They'd have a month to get better, but they're both going to the draft probably. So they will be out. So you don't know who's going to be catching the ball for Georgia. But it's still Georgia. They have five stars on I get five that. stars. Exactly. And that's why I think the problem was Florida State does not have five stars on five stars. Right. And when those steps down, you went, okay, the guy's still good. Like, Brock Glenn's a four-star QB. Yeah. He's not a bad quarterback. He'll be fine in two or three years. But it's like, imagine Arch Manning getting his first snaps in a college football playoff. Yeah, exactly. I think Arch Manning is going to be great, but I don't think he should get his first start in that, you know, his first snaps in that. And Tate Rodemaker, too. It's just, you know, I don't know if they had the time and you go, a month of, of practice. It's not it enough. It doesn't mean it. But practice doesn't – you have to play games. Right. And so I don't I, – I get it. Uh, transfer portal is also open. Uh, do you have a list up? Uh, I do. I do have okay. a running list, yeah. It is uh, nobody. Nobody has nobody is the in. portal. Uh, some notable players no in there. Kyle McCord, the quarterback for Ohio State, is in. Walter Nolan was the number one defensive lineman recruited in 2022 at A&M. He is going into the portal. Uh, defensive tackle – Texas Longhorns may be looking for a defensive tackle. If Byron Murphy does go pro like most people are expecting, he did walk. So did Devondre last year. He came back anyway. So there's a chance Byron Murphy comes back and they don't. But they could be looking at Walter Nolan. They're both gone. Is somebody that they want to bring in to help out. Alfred Collins is another name where he could go. He could stay. But uh, Walter Nolan, someone that Texas could be looking at. He's playing it down the road at A&M. So you could say, hey. And you've seen that formula work for your defense. Just bolster up those front two guys. So that's somebody you could look in there. The man who beat Texas, Dylan Gabriel. 
<laughs> is entering the portal. No, no real statement on why he wanted out of Oklahoma at Do this point. Do we even point. have target destinations? I, I don't know, and I don't know if they, the money wasn't there or if he doesn't want to go to the SEC. He may want to stay in the Big 12. He may want to go uh, to the Big 10 and play more Pac-12 games. and be you know It may be a distance thing for his family or something yeah, like that. Maybe. Uh, I don't know what the question will be, but Dylan Gabriel is uh, in the transfer portal for Oklahoma. And of course, all these guys could come back, too. That yeah. is a reality of the transfer portal. You still can go back. Most of the time, they don't, and most really good programs don't want you to come back once you're in. You can't repair that locker room after that. That's the thing. So that's the question. Dante Moore from UCLA, the quarterback. Cameron Ward, the quarterback out of Washington State. Will Howard, the quarterback out of Kansas State. Uh, Riley Leonard, the quarterback out of Duke, who had a good season. DJ Weungalele, quarterback out of uh, Oregon State, uh, who the rumor is maybe headed to Ohio State to replace Kyle McCord. That'd be interesting. That's the rumor there. Uh, Grayson McCall, the quarterback from Coastal Carolina, are all in there. Uh, we also have Tobias Merriweather, a wide receiver out of Notre Dame, that has entered the portal as well as another big name to the portal. Uh, the reports now are... Surprisingly, and I know this, this is a crazy report that I've heard. Arch Manning is reportedly going to stay at Texas. No way. The thing we've all told you. He's going to stay at the school <laughs> he originally wanted to go to? And he wants to go to the conference, the SEC. And look, he may still leave. We don't know. and we don't, He may leave after next year. And who knows what the future holds for Arch Manning. He's not but the, the clickbait articles we've been telling you are clickbait uh, continue to be clickbait. This was the plan. This was always the plan. Uh, Colorado's already at it. They're tied in. Uh, Mikey Harrison has entered the transfer portal. Uh, there's a few other names from Colorado. That is a school that we've seen a lot. Ohio State has a few names that are coming out of it that are getting out of it. A&M, there's expected to be a few names to come out of it, but there's a different coach as well. So whenever there's a coaching change, you kind of expect it. Uh, but there's, a, there's some interesting names that are in this transfer portal. Uh, we come back. We're going to get to some of your text messages. Uh, and keep the show rolling here. 512-447-3776. Easy question. You can talk about transfer portal news too. Send that stuff in. Uh, and then we're asking you, did the committee get it right? Because that's the big topic today. We could talk more about Texas football as the week goes on. We'll talk more about it. As, as, you know, we got a month that we're going to talk about Texas football because, man, it is a good day to be a Longhorn. We got plenty of time. <laughs> we'll be back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Sports Complex here on the Horn, playing songs about time for our new time slot, 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays here on the Horn. Appreciate all you guys jumping on the text line. This is why we moved it. We got text line fired up at 4 o'clock already. Man, they are getting after it. They're getting after it. I think a lot of people may care a lot today, too. This seems like a good day. Why, did something big happen? I, something happened. I don't know. Uh, let's get to the text line. Do you, do you know Closing Time? Are you aware of this song? Yeah, it's that song that Andy Bernard wrote. Right? Oh, you know it from The Office. You do yeah. not remember... <laughs> You don't remember that this came out when, when I was in school. So, no, you don't remember this. With Jacob's insanely wide pop culture absence of knowledge. I just told you Andy Bernard wrote it. Was that after 2015 when you started <laughs> watching things? Oh, you know what's funny is even though I just made an office reference, I never watched it live. I, oh. I watched it all back on Netflix. <laughs> so this is past 2020 again? Yeah. Okay. You know there's other stuff out there you can watch. 
I just haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. You're you're going back year by year. Right. I'm at 2014, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My man Chan texting in uh, Longhorn Volleyball as well. Great. Always good to see uh, Longhorn Volleyball doing well. I know they were playing SMU this weekend, and and they are playing. They're they're going for it right now as well, Uh, defending national champions. They're always dominant, aren't they? They're they're always good. They're not as dominant this year as they've been dominant in years past. It's what I've been been told. told. So we got a a scrappier team. (laughs) We got a scrappier team. We're not as talented. We're scrappy. No, they're still talented. They're good. But, you know, there's other good teams. You know what happens. It's hard. It's hard. Georgia. Two-time defending champs, right? Number six. Hey man, tough <laughs> tough times come quick. Uh, also says that fourth and one with Sanders was awesome. Yes, and no, it was not Devo. There was no Devo. That was Sticks, and that was then then uh, Semi Sonic does closing time. But I'm assuming you were talking uh, about Sticks. Which one? The first song. Oh, yeah. The first yeah. song from Chan. Uh, Scarlet says. Uh, Quinn Ewers, that's why I picked him as MVP of your poll last week. We don't beat Bama without dicing them up. We don't win 12 games. And his epic performance on Saturday was the emphatic punctuation that left zero doubt about our playoff legitimacy. Maybe he can get some love from his fan base now. I I hope so. And and I think this is the thing with Quinn Ewers is he has consistently shown up in big games. Are you telling me the quarterback means something to a football team? <laughs> no, but I get that. But he's also had bad games. And so 100%. When, when he doesn't show up for a Ohio or an Oklahoma State or a Kansas State or a TCU or one of those games in the past couple of years. But I also think this season he's done pretty well throughout the season. And if you take that injury out where he had to miss a couple of weeks and then wasn't quite, didn't have quite the arm, then, yeah, Quinn Ewers has had a really good year. It just the he's always had more hype. And it's it's that part where if you're expecting a guy to be seven feet tall and he walks in at six nine, then you're disappointed. Right. The guy's still really tall, and so I think that's kind of the deal with Quinn Ewers is you're expecting a Heisman Trophy performance from him every single game, and when Sark doesn't call plays for it, and when he underthrows a guy down the field, you go, well, he underthrew him, worst quarterback in the league. And you're like, well, no, but that's not. I mean, he's putting the ball where he needs to be. As long as he's not getting picked off, and he's not throwing interceptions. He is having a really good year. So, hey, there is some good stuff in there. Uh, Riley P. says, don't forget Worthy put that smack down at the goal line. Yes, when Worthy blew over a guy. Lowered and didn't his have to. Chose to. Chose to. And he stepped out of bounds two, two yards before. Chose to. You see him stop for a oh, minute, man. and he makes up his mind, and he crushes that I can dude. tell you, the last two or three weeks, Xavier Worthy has gone full on you think I'm a little guy mode. Oh, I love it. And it's that, you know, I don't know which scout or who told him. Right. That he was too small to be in the league. And he put on some weight, buddy. But yeah. I mean, you yeah, something like that. But he is showing that he is as scrappy and tough as yeah. anyone in the league. Uh, and it was, you know, it was great to see him come in there and lay the smack down. He had a stiff arm last week, I think, where he stiff armed a guy while yeah. running that was running at him and sniffed arm onto his back, and everybody in the room just goes, Oh, <laughs> So Xavier Worthy setting those rules. Let's get one more text. we got to take another break real quick, and then we'll come back, and we will get into uh, more of your text, and we'll get into the NFL as well. I know uh, I'm behind on text messages right now. We're, we're, working through, we're working through the new time slot, and we're working through Jacob being in studio, and we're doing all that stuff. But we love, we love that you guys are texting. It's awesome. And I still want to get to everybody's text here on the show because you all guys are so important to what we do here on the show. Uh, this text says... Uh, Sark was, uh, with you were starting, looks like McCarthy's relationship with Dak. Don't compare him to McCarthy. It's downright. Don't do that. That's downright terrible. Don't do that. McCarthy's so much better. Oh, Don't do that. Gross. 
Uh, I love this from Sark. The committee rewarded Texas for playing a tough non-conference opponent, Alabama. However, the committee did not punish for Alabama for losing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what you want, too, is you want, and this is TV especially, wants to have those big matchups early in the season. You want to have, uh, you know, you want that guys to play those matchups and then not penalize them for losing to a team that's slightly better than them. And you both played it and you because otherwise you're going to see more matchups. And I get – I get Florida State played LSU. I get that. If you think the committee got it wrong, what would your top four have been? Because if you're a Texas fan, the Horns are on the outside looking in with any other collection yeah. of four teams. No, and, th- and this person still says they're, they're with it, that they think that Texas should be in. They did not say it was wrong. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We will uh, we'll get into more of your text messages, and we'll get into some NFL talk as well. Here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.